The views and opinions expressed during this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WHIO and Cox Media Group. This hour is sponsored by Take-Two Healthcare. America's top talk shows with breaking news, traffic, and weather. WHIO! W-H-I-O. And a very good morning, everybody out there. Thanks for tuning in this morning to Take Two Healthcare, your guide to better living. I am your guest host for the weekend, and my name is Dr. Andrew Dyer. This is a great day. Why is it a great day? Well, one, I get to share the next hour with you, but we have a legend in the studio helping me get through the next hour, John. John Tisdale, he is a legend around here. He's been here a long time. As long as I've been around, he's been around. And it was cool today to walk in and see him because I know I'm in great hands. And you will be too if you're a caller today. If you want to call and talk to me about health, nutrition, chiropractic, acupuncture, any of those type of questions uh, for the work that we do, I'd be happy to take your call. And the number to call is 457-1290. If you're outside our area code, you'll need 937 in front of that. So 937-457-1290. Uh, give us a call if you wish to have your questions answered on air. But in prep for the show, and I, I feel like I say that a lot. Well, well, you know that in order to do this show, you can't just come in blind. You have to prepare. You have to be ready. You have to have some articles or some topics in mind. And last night... Uh, I was sitting around with a, fr- a couple of friends, and we were discussing some health issues, and we got on the topic of cholesterol. And it, it was interesting because uh, this very dear friend of mine, who, who we play lots of golf together and we do all sorts of fun things together, he asked me uh, what my opinion was about his doc putting him on a higher level of statin. And so he, he had already been taking a statin drug for a little while, and he just recently had a checkup, and his numbers moved by eight points. So his total cholesterol went up, I think, maybe six or eight points on that one. The LDL number moved by about eight points, and he was still within range on both of them. But he was already taking a a small dose of statin. I think around 20 milligrams was his initial dose. And when he went in for his most recent checkup, based on the movement of the numbers, they wanted to double his drugs. And so he asked me, you know, what my opinion was about it and, and what my thought was about it. And he had heard me talk before about, you know, not being the biggest fan of statin drugs in the world. And it's not that I'm not a fan of the drug. It's just I think we can do better. I think we owe it to our patient population to do better. Now, I, I'm not calling on the medical doctors to stop prescribing statins. I, that's never going to happen. That's not my purpose and my goal and my mission today. But my mission is to give you the patient or you the maybe listening DC or, or another type of provider that's maybe tuning in today to, to consider what else may be used to successfully address cholesterol. And, and in order to really get a full picture We can't limit ourselves to just examining those six numbers that we get on a blood panel that just relate to cholesterol. Because if that's all we do, we're going to miss the bigger piece of the puzzle. Okay, so if we look at total cholesterol and we look at triglycerides, that's two of them. Then we look at HDL, VLDL, LDL, that's five. And then the sixth one is called the total cholesterol to HDL ratio. And then you can also do that same ratio with the the good cholesterols compared to the triglycerides. So you can do an HDL to triglyceride ratio as well. So potentially six or seven numbers to evaluate here. And in so doing, 
we have to also broaden our scope, broaden our horizons to evaluating the function of the thyroid. Okay, why? Because thyroid helps control hormone output. And the last part of that cholesterol word, the sterol part, S-T-E-R-O-L at the end of the cholesterol word, sterol means hormone. So if we're going to be successful in helping my friend or any of our patients regulate their cholesterol better, we're going to have to do some things. And, and maybe it's not just double down on the medication. Okay, so let's start by how we would assess this patient in our office. Patient comes in. This is a very, very common reason why people come to our office. They come in because they've had some specific side effects related to the drugs they've been on for maybe two months, maybe two years, maybe two decades by now. And they want to do everything in their power to get themselves as healthy as they can be so that, so that they don't have to take this medication any longer. Isn't that a worthy goal? Isn't that what health is all about? Is if you're healthy, you don't need as much or maybe not any medication. Okay, so we need to go back and we need to look at thyroid function. On our basic blood panel, we're going to see five different markers for thyroid health. Why? Because just looking at the TSH isn't going to get it done. The TSH is just simply a marker for pituitary gland hormone release. That is it. That is all it tells us. It's truthfully not even a thyroid value. It's thyroid stimulating hormone that comes from somewhere else. Does it play a key role in thyroid function? Of course it does. But if that's the only number we know, we know nothing about thyroid's function. We have to know our T3 levels. We have to know our T4 levels, we have to know our T7 levels. And then if we can, we can get uh, T3 free, we can look at thyroglobulin uh, antibodies and thyroperoxidase antibodies, if those are all needed to fully assess the overall picture. And sometimes they are. Because if a patient has a thyroid condition like, like Graves' disease or Hashimoto's, then with those, thank you, with those, we're going to have to really, really, really look hard at what can be done for the thyroid first so that we can ultimately impact the cholesterol in a positive way moving forward. So we have a whole bunch of options if we just go about it in the right fashion. Okay, so John is here, and he brought me a little note with a couple of callers. And we have Sandy in Huber Heights, uh, and she has a question about calcium. John, could you cue her up, please? Sandy. Yes. How can I help you today? Can you tell me, my doctor wants to put me on calcium pills sure. that uh, I would take uh, for, I think, the rest of my life. Uh, is there anything else besides pills? Okay, so let's back up a little bit. What condition are we working on here? Are we looking at bone loss? Correct. Okay, so bone loss. And they've done a DEXA scan already? They've, they've evaluated where your bone mineral density is? Um, yes, but I can't tell you because I forget. Okay, that's all right. No problem. So, so we'll do some hypotheticals here. Let's, uh, and can I have your age, please? Uh, 70, uh, 77. Okay, perfect. That's good. That's a, that was not a trick question, but you did great. Okay, so you're a 77-year-old female, and they've tested your bone mineral density, and they've told you you're likely in maybe an osteopenia category or potentially even over the line into osteoporosis. Right. A, a, quick, a quick thought on that. Until you get to 25% bone loss or greater, you don't have osteoporosis. If you're between 10% bone loss up to 24.9%, that's the osteopenia group. Okay, so you okay. may be there. You may be a little over the line, and it is a reversible condition, but it will take some time. 
And to answer your question, the calcium tablets are probably going to be one of your best bets. Here's why. If we depend solely on food in our diet, to give us enough calcium to regrow bone cells, we're going to fall short every time because we can't consume enough of these calcium-rich products on a daily basis without supplementation helping us out. Now, in order to do a really good job with your case, your doctor, yes, they're going to recommend calcium, but they probably didn't, well, maybe they did, give you a very specific form to take. In my opinion, there's only one that needs to be considered here, and that is a version called M-C-H-C. I'll give it to you again. M is in Mary. C is in Charlie. H is in Harry. C is in Charlie. So M-C-H-C. Okay. That's the particular version of calcium that when assessed in laboratory studies at the University of Maryland got the highest marks for bioavailability. What does that mean? It means the body can absorb it well. If we gave coral calcium, or if we gave even calcium citrate, those are not as well absorbed by the human body and therefore won't do as much good for our bony skeleton. Now, if we're really going to do a good job here, we also have to know your vitamin D status. And the reason we do is we need vitamin D and calcium to help each other get absorbed properly in the body. So if they didn't assess your vitamin D in the blood work, Ask them to. If they won't, we can check it for you. It's not a problem. It's a very easy and simple blood test. But your value on the clinical range needs to be 32 or higher. If you're in our office, we're going to tell you for, for you to be healthy, you have to be 50 or higher. If we can accomplish that goal and raise your vitamin D status, we'll do a better job with getting your body to absorb calcium and therefore make a positive impact on your bone mineral density. Okay. All right. How about that, Sandy? I appreciate your help. You bet. Absolutely. We thank you for your call today. Bye-bye. Have a great day. Thanks. All right. We're going to dive back into what I was talking about before. I know we got another caller, but we're zooming in on a break here. So I'm going to dive back into my, my expose on cholesterol. And then if Marie can hang with us for a few more minutes, we'll get her on the other side of the break. Um, but in, in, in our discussion of cholesterol and what to do about it, I never gave you the what to do about it. Why? Because we don't have a cookie-cutter approach. We don't take a cookie-cutter approach to anybody that we help. We have to test them because no two patients are the same. Okay, this is another great example. In talking to my friend last night, he and his wife actually go to the same family doctor. And so this topic was discussed that his numbers changed only just a very little, about eight points within range on total cholesterol and the bad cholesterol or LDL, which really is, there's no such thing as bad cholesterol. It's just, it's a different form. It's a different version. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But he and his wife go to the same family doctor and they were asking me why they were each given different recommendations as to what to do about where their cholesterol numbers are. Because in fact, for her, my friend's wife and, and my friend too, she was way, way, way higher than her husband. And I say way, way higher. She was only about 30 points higher, maybe 40 on the total. So her total was up in the 220, 230 range. And of course, the clinical cutoff for cholesterol is 199 or less. So based on where her values were, she was wanting to know how come she didn't get recommended a statin. Now, she wasn't out there to take the statin. She, didn't, she wasn't going to probably do that that routine anyway, but she wanted to know why they were given different recommendations. And and I really can't speak to that necessarily because I don't know the whole background on their overall health history and all the different meds they're on if they're taking others. So I don't know enough information to really say, but what I would venture to guess is 
based on the fact that he was already on the cholesterol meds and the numbers moved up a little bit, even with him on the meds, that's why they doubled down for him. For her, she isn't yet on them. And for females, due to the protective effect of estrogen, typically female patients are going to have a much higher HDL level than our male counterparts, than me and all the other males on this planet are going to, are going to have. So if, in fact, our, our female counterparts have, say, 85 or 90 of the HDL cholesterol type, when you divide that into 230, you're going to get a value of around 2.5, 2.6. Off the top of my head, it's around there. So that's likely the reason why, even though her total number was above 199, she wasn't recommended to go on the statins based on the fact that her high HDLs were cardioprotective. So what does that mean? When we assess the cholesterol panel, we've been basically beat to death to understand this concept that is when cholesterol is high, and I know Johnny's telling me we need to take a break. You've been listening to Dr. Andrew Dyer this morning. I'm fired up. We'll be back after this on AM 1290 WHIO. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. And we are back live. Thank you very much, John. This is Dr. Andrew Dyer. We have another caller online, and John's going to pull her up. We're going to talk to Marie in Dayton. Marie, you're on with Dr. Dyer. How can I help? Hi. Um, Sandy had one of my questions. Um, oh, good. About osteoporosis. I just found out I have, uh, they say, uh, borderline osteoporosis of the left hip. So I want you to tell me again what I can come tomorrow, or Monday, rather, and pick up for that. And also, uh, you know, I've been your patient since 19, I don't know, Oh five or oh six somewhere back there. Beautiful. And I follow. I do exactly what you tell me to do, and I eat really well. But now, just recently, my fingernails start breaking off. They got real strong for a while, and then they broke off, and they're kind of peeling in layers. Okay. And, and so, so we I want to address to know, that. Yeah. What's wrong with me? What going that? What's going on there? Yeah. Great question. So let's take the let's take the fingernails first because that'll okay. be a little bit of a complex discussion here. But uh, two two things, and I think you're probably already doing them, but. A really good multiple vitamin and also a very good multiple mineral are probably going to be two of the of the big keys to start with to address fingernails because this is not an issue of just the fingernail. This is an issue of the body potentially not having enough extra vitamins and minerals left over to supply the secondary or non-essential functions of the body, which fingernails are. We don't need fingernails right. to live, but right. we live better when everything's healthy. So a multiple vitamin, multiple minerals, a very good start. Now, there's another specific nutrient that is excellent for fingernails, eyes, skin, teeth, nails, etc. Biotin. 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 Uh -huh. Yes, absolutely. You now, have it there now we don't it? we don't currently stock biotin all by itself. Okay. Douglas Labs has an excellent product called Ultra HNS and it's hair, nails, and skin. That's what the HNS stands for. Yeah. We we used to stock that one and for some reason I don't I think we were having trouble getting it in. But oh. but that is a very, very good product. And there there are several. You could you could walk into any local health food store and, and look right. for biotin. And really the starting dose for daily biotin, about four to 500 milligrams daily would be a, a pretty good strong dose. Okay. Um, and that's, that's where I would probably begin. But to, to also the point to address about the bones for mm -hmm. you. So calcium MCHC, we're going to use two a day. 
Then the Meg Malik, we're going to use two a day. Okay. And the vitamin D3, at least one per day, depending upon what the blood levels show. Um, okay. could, could get away with two there for a little while if we knew you weren't above 100. But if that number cracks the 100 mark, then we want to make sure we're only getting 5,000 IUs per day. Uh, but those three are the best combination for making sure that the bony skeleton is supported with as much as it needs. Now, say the three things again. Uh, sure. Mag- uh, yeah, so magmalic. Yeah. Calcium MCHC. Yeah. And then vitamin D3. Okay, and I can get all that at your place. You sure can. Okay, I'll be in Monday. Thank All right. you, Doctor. Th- thanks, Marie. Glad you joined. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Awesome. Yeah, it's always great to talk to uh, patients for sure, and, and, and those that maybe have questions that are not patients, we always welcome calls here on the program. And it's it's been a very interesting last couple of years because for a long time we were broadcasting from our, our own homes uh, just with a little microphone on top of our laptop. So it, it's been an adjustment to get back into the studio and get callers going. So it's so glad I'm so glad to be back down here, live and in person, and able to take callers. Um, and I know we've been talking some about cholesterol. We will come back to that, but I, I've got to share a case with you. And, and I know we're cru- cruising up on another break here. Do, do we need to go to break now, John? No, not yet. One minute. Okay. So I'm going to share a little bit of an intro on this case a, as we leave out on this side of the break. So we're going to talk pancreatitis, and when, when we see this in our practice, there's several different options we have because, again, not every pancreatitis patient is going to be the same. Some of them are dealing with cancer. Some of them have anemia. Some of them have diabetes. And unless we ad- address some of those other real significant pathologies, we might not get their pancreas better until we look around and see what else is on fire in the body because oftentimes that pancreatic inflammation is not just the pancreatic uh, problem y- yelling out to be helped, but there's a sequela of other issues here that unless we address them all, we're not going to make the headway we want. Um, so on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about pancreatitis. Had a patient, she did really well. I'll tell you more about it on the other side. But you're listening to Dr. Andrew Dyer this morning on Take Two Healthcare, your guide to better living on WHIO. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. And we are back live. Thank you very much, John. I want to tell you quickly about pancreatitis, a great case that I had this week. And then we'll, we'll take another couple callers. I know there's one waiting, but just hang with us there, please, Mike, and we'll be with you shortly. Um, the pancreatitis case that I had was really, it was really a wonderful outcome for this, for this lady because she was very concerned, uh, and, and as was I back in early September. Her numbers were pretty high. She had a, a GGT level, which is a pancreatic enzyme that we look at on our blood work and she was at 156 at that time on the 10th of September. Now the normal range on that value from a clinical perspective it should be less than 60. For our healthy range about 10 to 35 is what we want on that number. So we're 120 points out of range here and even for the clinical range we're almost 100 points over. So we had work to do. We had work to do from early September, and then we retested her on the 18th of October. I I basically told her, give me one month, and we'll see how much progress we can make. And she said, no problem. We'll do it. And she dove right in and started doing everything I asked her to do, changed her diet, cleaned things up. Now, she was already doing pretty well with her diet, but we had her tweak a few things, uh, really focused on 
reducing sugar intake and, and several other factors. And then when we tested her on the 18th of October, her GGT was down 101 points, down from 156 to 55. Now we got it inside the clinical cutoff. So her MD would be happy. She's not working with one right now on this because uh, she came to me and the issue that we're having now is we we still want 20 more points. We still need to get her 20 points lower on that value. So we're going to actually check it again in about three months. We've got we've got 90 days now to get this all the way back to lower than 35. And I think we'll do it. And one of the big issues there was due to the pancreatic inflammation, she also had a very, very elevated ferritin level. Now, this, this could have been a chicken and egg discussion, and I don't know which one it is. It could have been elevated ferritin that caused some of the pancreatic inflammation or the pancreatic inflammation caused the ferritin to go up. But either way, that ferritin is a marker for us that indicates high levels of inflammation in the body. Whether it was the cause of the pancreatitis or pancreatitis caused it, don't know, but it doesn't matter. Because in order to fix it, we had to make the pancreas better. And when we did that, the ferritin came down from 481 on the 10th of September down to 158, over over a 330-point drop or nearly a 330-point drop. Now, we still missed the clinical cutoff with that number. For her age uh, and, and gender, that number needs to be about 150 or less. And she's currently sitting at 158. So we've got a little more work to do there. And that's why I gave, I gave her a 90-day um, interim before we test again. Now, we, we actually debated. She, she brought her sister to her appointment last Friday, and we sat down, and we kind of debated, well, do you want to check it again in a month? Do you want to check it again in two months, three months? I had put down a three-month interval. The patient, she wanted to check it again in a month, which I don't have any problem with, but her sister said, you have to let your brain relax around this for a little while. Let's push it back a little bit. We're going to be making nice progress. We've got the holidays coming up, so that's probably going to throw things off a little bit. And then by the time a couple weeks after the holidays go through, we should be good to go again. Now, I say the holidays will throw it off. The holidays will only throw it off if you let it. So, okay, Am I a normal human eater? Yes. And at the holidays, do I eat different things than I do all year long? Yes. But depending upon how strict she stays with the with the methods that we've given her, she may not see much change over the holiday time in terms of those numbers getting up and more inflamed again. But those those were the very, very key numbers in her case. And we we're also monitoring a specific tumor marker called CA199. And and you may you may wonder why we chose that one. Well, CA199 shows potential pancreatic cancer activity, which when the pancreatic enzymes are so high, we have to try to rule out and we have to try to make sure it's not that. So when we looked at it initially, I, I saw her last June for the first time. Sorry, I was scrolling down to, to see where that was. So last June, we did a, a full cancer workup on her because she was having a different issue with a lymph node in her neck. It had already been monitored by the MD. They removed it, thought there was going to be some swelling reduction. There really wasn't. She came in in June very concerned, and so we ran a cancer profile. And at that time, what we saw was an elevated CA199. And CA199, which may not mean that much to you all right now, but it's going to when I tell you about it. Give me just a second to find that right up here. So under CA199, here's what it can show us. It can show us several things. And, and we actually do get some good information from that number about the pancreas. But CA199 is a useful tool to detect 
pancreatic or GI cancers, so gastrointestinal cancers. The CA-199 test measures proteins produced by pancreatic or GI cancer cells. The CA-199 test is typically used to monitor the status of the disease and to guide treatments. And the CA-199 levels can be elevated in other cancers, including colorectal, lung, and gallbladder cancer as well as other conditions. So it's not just a cancer indicator. It can show up in other conditions, too, that are non-cancerous, including gallstones, CF or cystic fibrosis, RA, rheumatoid arthritis, liver disease, and pancreatitis. So with that information, we knew it was elevated. We knew it was elevated last June, and the number at that time for CA-99 was... 46, I believe. Yes. So the 25th of June, her number was 46. We go and put her on a program and things are going pretty well, but not everything's perfect. So in September, that number actually jumps up to 57. And and I had a couple theories as to why there was a high ferritin. There was that high GGT that I was telling you about on that same test date. And then when we fast forward that tape to the 18th of October and retest that number, it comes down 12 points. And I believe the reason that that came down those 12 points was was related to a couple of factors. One, we reduced the pancreatic enzyme. Okay, so if it was pancreatitis, we no longer meet for her the clinical definition of pancreatitis because in order to meet that, that GGT number has to be 60 or higher. Her current GGT is 55. So she doesn't meet the clinical cutoff anymore for pancreatitis. That's a good thing. We did our job. We got her pancreas better. Now, on the other level, the ferritin was also sky high back in September when the CA-199 spiked. CA-199, you, you heard the conditions I listed out, very sensitive to higher levels of inflammation in the body. Rheumatoid arthritis was on the list, pancreatitis on the list. So elevation in inflammatory markers will cause elevation in CA-199. And then, boom, October, we reduce inflammation. All three numbers headed the right direction. Ferritin down nearly 300 GGT down over 100 points, and CA-99 down 12 points. Are we there yet? No, we're not. We're not all the way to where we want to be. We haven't met our long-term goal, but the short-term signs all point towards a highly successful outcome here for her. And that's and that's why she came. And, and it's fantastic. I love doing this kind of work. Uh, I think you can hear that in my voice when I'm on with you guys. But if you see me in the office or you see me speak around town, I do. I'm generally excited to do this kind of work because it's, it's a phenomenal way to help people. I think we do have a couple minutes before our next break. We're going to try to queue up Mike here. John's going to get to that for us. So, Mike from Kettering, how can we help you, sir? Uh, he was talking about uh, to the lady uh, about uh, taking a multi mineral. Yes. If we take a multiple vitamin, do we still need more minerals in our body that we normally don't get? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so, so yes, to, to the short answer to the question is yes. But I'm going to expand on that for you. In our daily multiples, and and there's quite a wide variety in how good some of the daily multiples are, and I'm not here to trash any one particular company, but I think some of the things that we buy over the counter in pharmacies are not as good as we could do if we went to a health food store and found a better multiple vitamin. So there's there's a very wide variety of quality. And even in a very high quality multiple vitamin, the very nature of what it contains 
typically won't have enough minerals. So when we use a product at the office called Vital Trace Minerals, it's literally that. It's all trace minerals. So it'll have things like manganese and boron, a little bit of magnesium, some not not potassium in that one, but there's copper, molybdenum. So some of these trace minerals are things that we actually test for when we do a hair test in our office. And so typically with that info, we get to see how efficiently the body is absorbing these things, what it's spitting out, what kind of toxic metal relationship is there. And then with that info, we generally give the recommendation to use a multiple vitamin and or a multiple mineral, typically both in combination. Why? Because our foods don't contain enough of any of this stuff. And trace minerals are what the body uses to get heavy metals out of the system. So if we have a burden of aluminum, uranium, lead, mercury, tin, titanium, many of these heavy metals that we also assess for, if there's a high burden of those in the system and we're giving a vital trace mineral or the like type of supplement, then we're going to do a better job getting these heavy metals out, allow the brain and nerves to function properly, and allow the body to be as healthy as possible. Okay. Okay. In other words, we can buy a, we, we can buy a very good Multiple, multiple vitamin. Yes, and it it should have most of the uh, good minerals that that we also need besides the vitamins. Is correct? Um, typically, yes. You so some of the multiple vitamins you will have some trace mineral content in them. We happen to use two separate forms because for us, when we test a patient, if we find that they need one and not the other, then we can give them the one they need and not double up on both. But I would almost always recommend that you get a good quality multiple vitamin. And also on the other flip side of that, a good quality multiple mineral. So you might end up taking two two different things to fill to fill your cup with what you need. Okay. Well, thank you for your help. You bet. Absolutely. Appreciate the call, Mike. Thank you very much. Um, we have a few more minutes. And with that time, we're going to go back into our cholesterol discussion because I know that I never told you what to do for it. And I did that partially on purpose because... There isn't really a cookie-cutter formula to give to every patient that has high cholesterol to magically make their cholesterol come down. But we have tons of nutrient options that work well. I'm going to list a few of them. But if you go out to the health food store and buy all this stuff, expecting your cholesterol to go down and it doesn't, you were warned. You were warned because there isn't a cookie-cutter approach. But here's what we can do. We have niacin. Niacin is an excellent and a high-quality B vitamin that we need to give in either a 500 milligram or a 1,000 milligram a day dose to help balance cholesterol. Now, if we just zoom in and only look at cholesterol numbers and do everything in our power to just dictate those numbers to come down lower, then we're just using the medical approach, which is a pill for every ill. And that's not what we do. Can you use vitamins and minerals that way? Sure, if you take high enough dose. But niacin at between 500 and 1,000 milligrams daily is an excellent starting point. However... There's a little warning with niacin. Some people get what's called the niacin flush. When they take niacin, it turns their skin on their face a little bit bright red. Okay, you might feel a little itchy or hot. That's normal with niacin for some people. I, I've never taken niacin. I don't, have, I don't have high cholesterol. I take fish oil and garlic and other things to help keep mine in, in good in shape. But niacin is one that tends to give people a little bit of a side effect. Now, there are flush-free versions of niacin as well. There's one called niacinamide. We stock that one too. But niacinamide, while it's a no-flush niacin, isn't quite as effective at helping cholesterol numbers come down. 
it's nice in that it doesn't produce a flush, but it's not quite as good at making the numbers better. However, we have other options. Garlic. Now, garlic is a topic I love. Why? Because when I was a senior in college, we had to do uh, original research to finish our biology degrees, and I used garlic in my experimentation. It was fun. I'm going to tell you more about it on the other side, but that music means I've got to take a break. You're listening to Dr. Andrew Dyer on WHIO. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. And thank you, John. Uh, just to correct something from earlier, uh, when we were talking about the biotin dosage for, for nail growth, uh, I, I mentioned it was in milligrams, and it's actually given in micrograms. So that, that was my mistake. I had to cor- correct that quickly. But uh, 6,000 mcgs, uh, I was pre- referring to it before in 500 to 1,000 mi- milligrams, but it's actually micrograms. So 6,000 mcg is what's available in three tabs in, in one of the hair skin and nail formulas that I was mentioning. So let's make sure we don't give too much biotin there, um, but that will be helpful uh, for hair growth, skin, eyes, nails, and teeth. Now, it's not going to help grow teeth, but it helps to strengthen some of the uh, materials that the body uses to lay those cells down. So biotin is quite useful for that. Okay, back to cholesterol. And I know I was talking about cholesterol the whole show, show, but that was part of the reason that I started with that because I knew we'd have callers and I could keep bouncing back and forth to cholesterol and then callers. So to finish on the cholesterol topic, we talk about niacin. We're talking about niacinamide, and now we're talking about garlic. 500 to 1,000 MGs, milligrams. Okay, I know that one for sure off the top of my head. That's the dosage for garlic to give if we want to help try to lower total cholesterol, triglycerides, LDL, VLDL. It's not going to do a whole heck of a lot to raise HDL cholesterol. Really the best thing for that, to raise the good ones, is to exercise. So we know that if we're really trying to defeat a high cholesterol level in our body, we need to work out. We need to exercise. Uh, doesn't matter if you want to do weight training or cardio. There has been good studies to support both are highly effective in helping the body balance cholesterol. So we've got options. Even vitamin C is a very, very good statin-like impactor. Okay, and I, I'm not going to say it's a statin because it's not a statin, but statins lower cholesterol. Everybody knows that. If you don't, you've been living under a rock and you need to come out from under there. But statins lower cholesterol. So what could we use naturally to do the same? Vitamin C, actually given at a dose around four to 6,000 milligrams daily. And that's, a, that's for an average adult, but it's also based on testing. That's going to be a good starting point to help reduce inflammation and as a result, help lower cholesterol. So we've got several options from a nutrient standpoint. Now, you could even go as far as to say vitamin D3 would be helpful there. I don't use D3 specifically to lower cholesterol, but I do use it a lot to help the body stay healthy. And so if if that's our goal, which it always is, then we want to make sure that we test for it and give the right amount per the testing. So if you're an average adult patient in this country and you live somewhere in the Midwest where it's been cloudy already for three, four days and it's going to continue on, you need to be taking 5,000 IUs of D3 every day all year long. Do it. You'll be happier and healthier for it. That music means we're done. I'm really glad you joined, and thanks for the callers this morning. You've been listening to Dr. Andrew Dyer 
on WHIO. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. WHIO, Dayton, WHIO FM, Pleasant Hill, a Cox Media Group station. Powered by Back to Business IT. Take care of your business. We'll take care of your IT. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.